0: This is the MyMac Podcasting Network.
1: I'm Tim Robertson. And I'm David Cohen. And this week we're talking about whether rioting should shut down social media. And we're going to go back in time. It's Tech
0: Fan number 42. Welcome to Tech Fan number 42. I am Tim Robertson, and on the other side of the ocean is David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. So we've got two topics like we did last week. Um, and yes, we're going to return to our technologies in the movies, and we'll probably do that next week. And I think you already kind of picked a movie for the next week, didn't you, David? We've got something in mind. Good. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully it's a movie that... I haven't seen it in a while, and I can get caught up on again. And I know you yeah. sent it to me, but I don't remember what it was.
1: But you know what? I don't remember what it was either. It's on my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's there, but it's... Yeah. Um, we've got two topics this week, like I said. The first one is going to be kind of a serious topic, and we're going to discuss what's going on in London right now and the role of technology and the riots that's been going on. And I have to tell you, David, it's been making a lot of news here in the U.S., And I can only imagine what it's like there. And in our second segment, uh, we're going to lighten it up a little bit. And, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to the second segment. It's something that I've been thinking about doing for a while. And it's, um, as some of the listeners out there know, David, I was the host of the MyMac.com podcast for a number of years before I turned it over. Yeah. Before I turned it, we turned it over to Guy Searle and, Uh, And gas, and for whatever reason, my iPhone decided I hadn't listened to an old podcast that was in my iTunes library, and it put it on my iPhone. So two weeks ago, I had to go about two hours away to pick up a washing machine that I purchased in the minivan, which doesn't have air conditioning, so... And it was a very hot day. I was miserable. I thought, I'll listen to the latest MyMac podcast, which I hadn't heard yet. And I fired it up, and I hit play without looking what I had selected, and it played MyMac podcast number 27 from May of 2005. And at the time, of course, I was hosting the show with Chad Perry. And what made this funny to me, David, was we had a segment. It ran a little less than 10 minutes called rate the rumors. And there was six rumors that Chad and I talked about and we rated on a one to 10, one being it's not going to happen. 10 being, yeah, we think this is a definite thing that's going to happen.
1: So, so this was you two with your professional pundit hats on.
0: Absolutely. Our, our expert opinions on what was going to happen in the future. Now, remember this was over uh, six years ago at this point. Yeah. And so David and I, we thought, I, I thought this would be funny. I, I sent this audio clip to David, this uh, rate the rumors thing. And David and I will play each rumor that Chad and I talked about over six years ago. And then David and I will discuss how wrong we were. <laughs> <laughs> Why not, right? I can, I, can, I can make fun of myself.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, it, it, and for, in fact, it is interesting because you're not talking about that long ago, but really how the landscape has changed amazingly, radically. So. Yes, uh, and and you know, to without <laughs> with it, we're, we're going to have some fun with it. But I, I don't think, um, I don't think you necessarily did any worse than any other pundit would have done at the same time myself included
0: yeah so and and, you know i know chad listens to the show uh my my ex podcast partner and still occasional podcast partner when we have the time to get together and record uh, a special edition of the geekiest show ever but um i think he'll get a kick out of listening to it as well so let's start though on more of a serious note david what the hell is going on
1: in the uk right now uh, I think you could sum it up by a a sign that was put on the uh, local subway sandwich store here in Manchester on, on Tuesday evening, which uh, said, "Due to the imminent collapse of of the uh, of civilization, this store will be closed from six p.m. this evening." <laughs> and that's that's kind of what it felt like. So, um, for for anybody who's who's not. Who's either heard the news but doesn't know what, what caused it, or or has not heard the news? The background to this is that um, just over a week ago, there was um, uh, the police in London attempted to arrest somebody who they suspected of being involved in drugs uh, and suspected was armed. Now, British police aren't normally armed, so we have special tactical firearms units who who are called in when they need to arrest somebody who might have a gun. Um, and um, they tried to stop this guy. He was in a, a taxi cab. Um, and we still don't know exactly what happened, but he was shot dead by the two armed policemen. Um, his community were pretty upset by what happened and also by the fact that um, the police weren't really saying and giving any details about what happened. They now, referred, Will you say his community? Yeah, they, they, they got his family and friends from, from the area of London where he lived, which okay. is uh, Tot- Tottenham. I didn't know um, if you meant a, a, a that is a racial thing. The, the no, community I, no I mean it, it's it's kind of complicated. In, in London is London is so large; it's a city. It it's effectively is a series of of, uh, re, of very small regions, uh, kind of all all on top of each other, rather than it being one big city. Uh, and um, there is there are racial elements to to who lives where in in London, but. Um, uh, and certainly the the uh, Metropolitan Police, which is the police force that looks after London, has had problems with uh, perceived racism and uh, uh, they 've been accused of institutional racism in the past but uh, But the issue really with the the anger that was generated wasn 't so much that um, wasn 't so much racial as the fact that this guy had had effectively been um, you know there was a question mark over whether he'd be given an opportunity to surrender, whether he actually had a, a live weapon, whether he threatened the officers at time at the time, and whether he necessarily deserved to be shot dead in the course of the arrest um, and that that's really what create. that was the catalyst for the tension that was created the day after a group of his friends and families uh, picketed the local police station looking for um, a response from the police in terms of senior, a senior officer come out and give them some answers there was no response um, the crowd got bigger and then it started to get a little bit ugly and before we knew it we had riots uh, in that area of London mm-hmm. what happened then I mean that, that is kind of you know, is is, is in some ways understandable. But really what happened is the strength of the riot, I don't think anybody expected. It really got very nasty very quickly. And then it started to spread. And really through most of this week, it's been spreading not across, not only just across London, but outside of London as well. And the real issue is that 95% of all the people who have been writing haven't been doing it because they have any political or um, particularly prejudicial view on, on this particular incident. It was because they saw other people writing and looting in particular and thought, well, I fancy a bit of that. So we've effectively we've had a, a wave of uncontrolled looting right across the UK, um, including my own city here in Manchester on Tuesday. Um, and it's been, you know, it's been a bit of a shock for everybody, really, because it's not something that we normally expect to see. And it took the police across the country a while to be able to respond and kind of put a stop to it. it does seem to have been nipped in the bud now. A lot of people have had a lot of stuff stolen and property damaged, and there's been a few deaths. And um, you know, it's been um, been a pretty unpleasant state of affairs. No, the reason the-
0: I'm well, uh, uh, let me ask you, David, as a father and a husband. And you own your home, and you go to work, and you're responsible. And um, what's it like for you personally?
1: Uh, It's very shocking. I mean, the, the the office where I'm sitting now, we could see on Tuesday night when it hit Manchester, we could see it starting. We saw police helicopters, we saw smoke. Um, we could, you know, the, effectively the first sort of shopping area that, that where it, it, uh, there was a standoff between rioters, uh, looters and police was only about a mile, a mile and a half from here.
0: So you're um, calling home, telling your wife, stay home, don't go well, out. Well, she,
1: she'd already contacted me and said, look, it appears to be starting in Manchester. We were actually planning to go out to the city center Tuesday night, and uh, we called that off pretty quickly. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, where I live is, is way outside the city center. It's, you know, it's about five, six miles away. And when I arrived home from work on, on that night, um, I changed my route to avoid the trouble. But, you know, car, uh, there 's there's a, there's a car dealership just down around the road from me. They cleared their lot because they were obviously worried about people breaking in and torching the cars and this was you know way away from where anybody was expecting any trouble and basically, the whole country um, for most of last week in the evening, just kind of shut down. Um, you know people weren 't going out. And the only people out were the police and, and a very small number of people young people who were you know wearing balaclavas or pulled hoods over their heads and were going around smashing in windows and stealing things a bunch of asses uh, yeah well certainly a bunch of opportunistic criminals if nothing else and some of the scenes we've seen are quite shocking you know we've seen a um we've seen cctv of a guy who's been hit in the face and actually had his jaw broken um, and somebody helps him off the floor. The guy's jaw is bleeding, obviously. Uh, and while they help him up off the floor, they open his backpack up and steal his laptop out the back. Jesus! And you can see that on on um, on on the TV. We've also seen uh, pictures of people who work in stores still wearing their store uniforms being arrested for looting the stores they work in. So it's been kind of insane, and uh, the courts have been working through the night to try and process these people. About probably over the uh, of, over the entire country, about two and a half, three thousand people have been arrested for looting in the main. Oh. Um, so it, it's been you know it's, it, it for a while. It did kind of feel like society was spinning a little bit out of control, and the streets weren't safe. So it's it's been very shocking. But the reason that that I've brought it up on here um, is because of uh, some of the response that we've had from the politicians in this country has been disturbing, I think, to say the least. One of the one of the um, facets of this that was reported very quickly was that people were using Facebook, Twitter, uh, and in particular BlackBerry Messenger to actually coordinate where they were going to go, where they were going to riot, where the police were, and this sort of thing. Um, and now that it's kind of settled down, we've had we had the prime minister say yes, stand up in parliament and say that he was thinking about uh, drafting legislation to uh, allow the government to turn those services off in uh, cases of civil unrest, which you know, and uh, not so uh, what not six months ago, I think, uh, and certainly you know, in the last two years, we've criticised governments in Iran Egypt. and Egypt for um, doing exactly the same thing yeah. because. Um, people were using those tools in much the same way to organize a protest the only difference was this pro- this wasn't a protest, this was organized looting rather than um, rather than a political protest but in some ways the principle is broadly the same yeah, my issue was
0: I read that they were talking about giving police the scope to be able to arrest people according to what they're posting on Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. And the question was, yeah, it's inciting violence and dissident and all that, but who makes the decision on what they're saying is a matter of free speech or not? If someone posts photos, say on Twitter, of violence happening in their neighborhood, <clears throat> could that person be arrested because they're posting photos of this violence thus making other people want to riot. Yeah. Um, the,
1: this, this is slightly interesting because unlike the US where you actually have a right to free speech enshrined in your constitution, we mm-hmm. don't. Um, it's implied in our constitution, but it's not directly stated. Um, and also we're, we're beholden to the uh, European Human Rights Act, which also implies, uh, you know, states that we have uh, some rights to free speech. But those things can be um, curtailed in certain circumstances by legislation, we do have laws on the books here that um, ban you from um, inciting racial hatred. So, as does America. To, yeah. Um, so you know those are fairly clear in that you know if you if you do that then it uh, doesn't matter what the form is you can be arrested for it. But th- there was a, a fairly well known case over here um, about a year ago of. A guy who had been to the local airport to to catch a flight, and had um, had his flight delayed or missed or something like that, um, and he put on Twitter um, he, about this airport. He said, "Well, you know, I, my flight's rescheduled for next for next week. It'd better be on time, otherwise, I'm going to bomb the place." Um, and That's he was arrested. Stupidity. Well, it's stupid, but the point is. <laughs> It was clear from the context and tone of what he said that it wasn't a threat, and yet he was prosecuted for making a terrorist threat, and he was successfully prosecuted. The court did not agree that it was a, a jokey statement or something that you couldn't say. So there is already some kind of implied censorship about what you can say on these um, in these media channels. I think the difficulty is if you start saying, well, this is acceptable, this is not, and that, that starts to creep up over time. Before you know it, you do have a very – you have a censored um, platform, and it's not free speech at all.
0: Yes, but um, I, it, there's no question on where I come down on free speech. I am a huge proponent of it. I mean, it's, I think it's, as an American, one of the tenets of who we are as a people. Um. And I I don't go in for that whole, hey America number one, we're the best. I don't. That bothers me to no end. That kind mm-hmm. of um, self congratulatory thing, patting us on the back, the faux flag waving stuff. That just always bothers me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm a big proponent of freedom of speech, and everyone likes to assume, as you just said, that America has freedom of speech. It's in our constitution. But there are limits. For instance, no American has the right to run into a crowded movie theater and scream fire, start a panic, people are trampled to death getting out of the theater, and there's no fire. You can be prosecuted, or, you know, arrested, prosecuted, and go to jail for that. Um, so there are, I think, e- even in America, there are limits to what you can say. And... I totally get where somebody could be prosecuted for tweetering, you know, I'm going to blow up this airport. I think that was kind of taken to the extreme uh, for by the prosecution. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it has to have common sense with it. And I think that's where it seems to be falling down. But in the latest, what's going on in London right now, which, by the way, isn't something unique to London. And we, we've had, you know, riots here in the United States just like that. Rodney King in '92 comes to mind.
1: Exactly, it was much the same thing. The,
0: the that had a huge the, racial overtone to it. But
1: yeah, but but the thing that sparked the thing that sparked it off was was a racial incident. But actually, again, a lot of the people who who kind of in the writing were just basically taking advantage he, of the fact, smash things up and 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 steal.
0: You would think that we as a society, Western culture, would be beyond that by now, but we're not. And uh, you're going to have. Well, to put put it blunt, you're going to have assholes in in every society. You're just going to. Um,
1: yeah, and I, 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 you know, let's not assume that every single person who's involved in this is just you know some young punk who, who who would do do that all day every day, given the chance. Some of the people who've been arrested over this and have appeared in court are uh, teachers, <laughs> uh, respected professionals um, who just basically got caught up in the. Absolutely. In the, in the assumption that they could get away with it, basically. There's an awful lot of people who are only controlled in their moral impulses by the fact that they think they, there will be consequences if, if they're not. And what they saw during these riots with the police were uh, – our, our policing response was uh, not too direct. It was about protecting fire crews. It was about um, trying to control things to a degree. It wasn't about going in there and cracking heads. So, you know, a lot of people saw – guys walking out of shops with 15, 20 cell phones and thinking, well, yeah, if they're, they're doing it and with impunity, I'm going to do that too. Yeah, But um, the, the, I think the difficulty I have with, with the kind of response is that to me i I agree, I agree completely with what you say. I think um, we should have a right to say what we want and we should have a right to ta- have to take res- we should have to take responsibility for what we say and the ramifications of what we say so if if we do um, incite violence, we do incite racial hatred, we do uh, create a panic through what we say we need to take responsibility for that, and if that means a punishment um, because of the impact of our words then then i don't really have an issue with it what i do have an issue with is the suggestion that's being made that um the best way of coping in these situations is to turn these services off
0: yeah in essence to curtail freedom of speech because that's really what it's about
1: yeah absolutely and and the thing is the problem i have is that as i said kind of at the beginning this this was a relatively small number of people there weren't Thousands of people on the streets. There weren't certainly weren't tens of thousands of people on the streets. There weren't the number of people on the streets we've seen in anti-war protests for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. There weren't um, the number of people in, on the streets we've had against um, some of the laws that have been passed in this country in the past. You know, there were some some famous rights, the poll tax rights in the uh, in the mid eighties against Margaret Thatcher, some tax changes she wanted to make that, that were involved hundreds of thousands of people. This was not. This was at the most. 5,000 people, something like that, right across the country. Now, to me, to turn off a service that everyone is using for all sorts of different things, because a very small proportion of society is using it to help them in, in cr- criminal behavior, is a massive over-response. Um, and, uh, it, and and is, is completely and utterly counterproductive in a democratic society in my mind.
0: It's also the height of hypocrisy when those same politicians were criticizing other governments were doing exactly the same thing to try to protect their regimes from um, people who are rioting, trying to make you know changes in their country. And again, we're talking about Iran, we're talking about Turkey, um, Syria,
1: Egypt, Egypt, yeah. and, and, yet, and, and Libya, and, and, the, and what have you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And they're, and, and they're and this, talking about the same thing now. And, that's right. And the the problem with the, this is, and this is why I think so many. um rights campaigners are constantly fighting against this is because once you're on the slope, it's a slippery slope. Absolutely. You know, once you've kind of established a principle that you can do that for whatever the, the, the motivations are, um, it becomes very easy to extend that. And um, then it's not about uh, pr- criminality or you can you can argue that, that uh, political protest is criminality. Um, once they and that- take
0: rights away, you never get them back. And that's always been my biggest contention with the level of panicked attitudes in the United States after 9-11. Anything in the name of safety and security. And I am one of those people who are not willing to give up my civil rights in the name of safety and security. In fact, it's at our most dangerous times that we have to hold up what we really believe in. If we really don't believe in freedoms, then we need to stop saying we're some kind of a free country.
1: That's right. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. It, it, it's easy to say we we're, were for freedom of speech when everything, when the stock market is going great and you know, families are doing well and businesses cranking along and everything's great. It's a lot harder to say you're for freedom of speech when people are riding in the streets and looting and burning down buildings and using That's- Twitter and Facebook and, blackberry messenger to get the word out to organize those things
1: and and here 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 we get into um into a couple of other areas i mean i completely agree with you i the the response this has just been floated as an idea that that, you know to me the worst time to start thinking about legislating something is is in the heat the moment when something has just happened absolutely and you're and you're trying to get good sound bites on the tv yep um it's absolutely the wrong way. opportunistic is the word yeah, that comes but to mind it's not only that but you look at the patriot act you look at all these other you know, britain's own anti-terror legislation in response to 9-11 and um the london bombings and what have you is it is it's always poor law yep. because it's been drafted in a hurry by people who are reacting to uh, a, the perception of a threat the other thing of course is that it being reported in the media that this is how Twitter was used and how BlackBerry Messenger was used. Nobody really knows the scale and the extent of the effect of those tools on the problem itself. And to me, you need to deal with the problem itself. You need to deal with the guy in the street with the brick in his hand, yeah. not the fact that he was that he managed to get there because he saw a couple of messages on his BlackBerry. Yeah. The, that is, that is not the big problem. It might be, um, it might seem to be, uh, taking good tough action to try and deal with that. But you, have got to deal with the fact that the guy wants to pick up a brick, not the fact that he uses a BlackBerry. And, and they're also trying to shoot
0: the messenger rather than the act itself. If you know what I mean?
1: Well, uh, let me, t- let me uh, tell you that on Tuesday night, when, when it was kicking off here in Manchester, um, the best place to get proper information about what was going on was the Greater Manchester Police's Twitter feed. Because were, you know what Twitter's like. There was yep. so much exaggeration, misinformation, people who'd misunderstood things, people who'd had a phone call from a friend and not heard what, what it said properly, people who were maliciously trying to stir it up. All of that was flying around Twitter. Uh, and the GM police were the ones who were saying, don't listen to the rumours, listen to what we're saying, we'll tell you what's going on, we'll tell you where it's not safe to go, right? So <laughs> under this proposed, proposed proposal, that's not even legislation, so under this proposal, GM police wouldn't be able to do that, because the first thing I'd sign of trouble, Twitter, get turned off or disconnected. Uh, the other thing as well is that many people have been tweeting, uh, they were... They, they were tweeting uh, cell phone images and, and cell phone movies of the riots as they happened. And the police are now using that for evidential purposes um, to track people down. There were people who were so disgusted with what was happening, they were going out their way to take pictures of rioters so that the pictures would be preserved so that they could get arrested. And there was a very big campaign in pretty much all over the country the day after each of the riots where people were organising... Uh, guys who had spare time to come and help clean up.
0: Yeah, that was what I was going to bring up. You know, they're they're not even looking at the the opposite tool or opposite use of this tool, which is volunteers getting together and organizing using these same tools that the hooligans, to use one of your terms, use to organize the violence, but using it instead for volunteer. Hey, this place just burned down. This is a family who's homeless. Does anybody out there have you know, closes in these size to support this family. Yeah. You know, it, it really bothers me when you hear proposed legislation um, to to curtail these activities, which is so short sighted. It really seems opportunistic and is not in the public's best interests.
1: Yeah. Now, I don't think any of this will ever happen. Uh, I certainly, you know, <coughs> companies like Google, Facebook. Twitter, they're not um, going to go along voluntarily. But yeah, they 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 are not. They are are not UK companies, so they're not subject to UK jurisdiction in terms of how they operate. Twitter's already made it perfectly clear they have no interest. While they're willing to participate and assist the the UK government and police authorities in uh, people who are promoting what they've done on their services. Uh, and there have been people doing that. There have been some, uh, you know, every time you get a large group of criminals together, all the idiots come out. There have been people who have been boasting on Facebook about what they stole. Um, there have been people who uh, were quite public on Twitter about what they were going to do and uh, where they were going to be and all this sort of thing. So Twitter, are, uh, Twitter and Facebook are cooperating with the authorities on that. But they've also made it perfectly clear that they will not be blocking or um, deleting accounts on the basis of what people have said. And I I don't honestly think that the um, government would ever get – they ever actually put legislation like this in the books, they'd ever get it through because I think there will be too many people who would oppose it. It's easy
0: to say that, David, but you know what? It's up to people like us to make sure that it doesn't go through. Yeah. Because as a people, we have to watch what our politicians are doing. And when suggestions are made like this – It's absolutely our responsibility to jump down their throats and go, no, 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 no. That's not happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And hold them
0: responsible for their actions and their suggestions.
1: What's interesting about this, though, is that um, particularly the finger of blame has been pointed at BlackBerry Messenger. Now, BlackBerry Messenger is the uh, instant messaging service you get with BlackBerrys. It's encrypted, so you can't read it. It's point to point, so you can't intercept it. Um, and lots of young people in the UK have Blackberries because they like they like messaging each other, and, and you can message effectively. You're not you're not paying per message like you are with SMS um, on Blackberry. You're paying your flat fee, and then you get as much messaging as you want. So the fact that it's encrypted and can't be monitored, unlike Twitter or Facebook, um, has particularly riled up some people, some sectors of the media, and and the politicians. And it's interesting because BlackBerry faced these problems in India and in the United Arab Emirates um, just over a year ago where those governments said that they would um, uh, effectively kick BlackBerry out of their countries as, as a provider yep. because they weren't able to give the secret services um, access to the information on these networks. Uh, and, and BlackBerry can't, without making quite large infrastructural changes, they can't actually give you Access The encryption is such in such a way they don't even have access to it um, unless they start putting devices in the way of, of the traffic. Um, and it's been deliberately designed. All the best encryption systems are designed like that, so you can't um, just have a master key to get into it.
0: Um, well, the nice also- thing is the, the popularity of BlackBerry is plummeting, so it may not be a problem for much longer.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but the point is, is technologically you could write software on the iPhone or any other platform to do exactly the same thing. I mean, iPhone, uh, Apple has a messaging service coming along in iOS five, don't they? They're all wow. working much the did same you hear way. That, David?
0: I did not. There's a huge cat fight going on on the other side of my window.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's loud. I, I don't know if it's being recorded well or not. I can't know why I can't hear it. What, I, what I'm, you're saying is there's a, there's a cat right going there's on. There's a outside. cat right
0: going on. Um, what happened was there was this dog, and then it attacked one cat, and the other cats were really angry. And I think they're looting out there right now.
1: And do any of the cats have a BlackBerry?
0: Yes, it's it's very encrypted technology. That's why they're 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 able to get such a large number of cats out there without the dog catchers and the cat catchers out there uh, being made aware of it. So I think what we're going to do is take a quick break and uh, come up with our next segment and in the meantime during the break i'm going to go out there and break up the cat fight so okay. we'll be right back
2: Hey, guys, time to record our latest promo. Uh, hang on, I'm just finishing my For Mac Eyes Only segment. Come on, we need to spread the word about the MyMac.com podcast. I know, I know. I'm just touching up my review for the Mac Review Cast. We need to get it out there that we discuss Mac news, rumors, new products, old products. We tell everyone about the great new info available at the MyMac.com website. Uh, uh, hold on, I'm tweeting about my chit-chat across the pond with Allison on the No Cast. We need to tell the listeners about the other MyMac family of podcasts and what fun we have on our show. Not to mention the great software picks we have every week. Uh, Wait, I'm dashing off an email to my international Mac podcast cohorts about next week's show. Hey, we have a weekly show too. I'm surprised you have time to squeeze in the MyMac.com podcast into your schedule. Uh, uh, Hang on, I just have to update my website. I don't have time for this. Okay, Guy, let's do it. Guy, I'm ready when you are. Guy, Guy, oh well, the MyMac.com podcast. ...talking about the Mac... ...and having a good time doing it. Hi,
3: I'm Luke Skywalker... ...Jedi Knight and friend to Captain Solo. Are you lonely? Is there a girl you've had your eye on... ...that you want to hook up with... ...but she doesn't know you exist? Well, for $99.99... ...the Luke Skywalker Jedi Council of Love... ...can get you that girl that you want... ...but even more desperately need. The way we do this is by meeting with you in secret... During this meeting, you give us a name, location which the target can be found, and a picture of the target. We will then send one of our many Jedi to first hunt down your girl of choice, and then use our Jedi mind trick to make the girl of your dreams a reality. So call one jedi love or visit geekiestshowever.com for more details. So put those days of mastering the Force choke behind you by getting in touch with the Luke Skywalker Jedi Council of Love by listening to the all-new geekiest show ever, Wizard!
0: And we are back with TechFan42. I let my cat in. I don't think he was one of the ones... I don't think he was the hooligan out there, though, David. He was an innocent bystander. Yeah, I... You know, you can usually tell when a cast really ticked off, it's furs up and all that. Yeah. And he walked in the house meowing at me like, I'm hungry and (laughs) uh, not a care in the world. So I don't know if he was one of the participants. He came in saying, you
1: should see what's going on out there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy, man. It's crazy. You need to shut down Twitter, man. That's all I'm saying. Uh, (laughs) So uh, here's our second segment. It's going to be a little bit more lighthearted than the first. You're getting a little bit of both this week. This, again, was from May 2005, episode number 27 of the MyMac Podcast with me and Chad Perry. And the segment was called Rate the Rumors. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play each rumor from that episode here on TechFan. And then David and I will talk about what Chad and I were just talking about and why we were pretty much wrong. So here's the first one, and it's going to be uh, on the rumor of... Remember, again, this is May 2005. Uh, this is Apple switching over to Intel. Uh, let's get into our... Uh, our uh, uh, what, do you, what do we call this? Our, our focus segment. Focus. See, I can't focus. No. How are we going to do the focus segment if I can't focus on what nah, we're doing? It's too nice outside. Yeah, I tell you. Uh like we said at the beginning of the show, our focus segment today is rate the rumors. So I'm going to tell you what the rumor is, Chad, and we'll talk about each one, not in depth, because you know we've only got we've got less than 15 minutes to finish the show. So yep. obviously we can't do that. Uh, the rate the rumors. Rumor number one: Apple switching over to Intel. I think we already touched on this a little bit. Well, we read the news from MacMinute.com, yeah. but we didn't actually talk about it. No. What do you think? You know what? I I just don't see it happening, at least not with Macintosh computers.
4: Do you think this is a pressure move by Apple's part to try to lay
0: a little fire under IBM's But You know, the thing is, I don't think Apple would ever say never. Right. I don't think that, number one, I don't think you'll ever see a Pentium in a Macintosh. And a lot of people keep saying, oh, Apple's looking at switching over to the Pentium. Well, you know what? The Pentium's not the only chip Intel makes. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite sure that if Apple went to Intel and said, we're not happy with IBM, the cell processor really isn't on our roadmap, Mm -hmm. Um, we're not happy with Motorola, what can you guys do for us, a custom chip for the Macintosh? I'm quite sure Intel would be interested in doing that. Mm -hmm. A, A brand new chip that you wouldn't find in PCs, only in the Macintosh. In that kind of a situation, I can absolutely see that happening. Mm-hmm. You know, either AMD would be another candidate in that case, not just Intel. Yeah. You know, what about National Semiconductor? They're still out there producing chips. Mm-hmm. So um, one being the least likely, 10 being it's almost a sure thing. I don't know. I, th- this is a really a tough rumor because mm-hmm. I can see so many viable business reasons to do it and not to do it. But honestly, I would have to say this is probably about a four, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, uh, it's I, it's it, there's just so many things. To yeah, consider. you can you
4: can't exactly go hyper tripe on it because there's some truth to it. I mean, obviously, on, on the issue of are they talking to each other? Yeah, that's a ten.
0: Yeah, I've always think, been sure doing that. They, yeah, absolutely. Apple's too big of a company not to talk to another big company like Intel.
4: Are Are you gonna see an Intel chip in an
0: actual Macintosh computer? Three, maybe not. Four. In, well, here's the thing: maybe not as the main processor, but there's a lot of other chips inside the Macintosh that Intel could provide Apple Truth. with. So, in in that situation, I would say that's probably a ten. Eventually, yeah. you will see some Intel-made chips. Mm-hmm. If there's not already, I'd have to crack open a G5 to see if there's any Intel chips. I don't mm-hmm. know, but yeah, you'll eventually see some Intel chips inside of Apple. I'm not saying the main processor, but I'm not saying yeah. you won't see the main processor either. Or could it be
4: a new Apple device that we don't know about yet? Yep. That could be, too.
0: Okay, David. The rumor was Apple switching over to Intel. Uh, Chad Perry and I both didn't really think this was going to happen, at least as far as Apple making Intel CPUs uh, the main CPU in an Apple desktop or laptop computer.
1: And let's just set the scene. Um, This was... uh, mid midway through the imac g5 period yep the power mac g5s were the um top end machines that apple made the lower machine was the uh mac mini that had been launched earlier on in, i think it was in january 2005 um this was kind of roundabout about when i got got into the mac for the first time and this was so, two years before the intel mac was released yeah so this you know the 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 G4 and the G5 were the uh, processors of choice and the G4 was in the lower machines and the laptops and the G5 was in the iMac and everyone was wondering when the G5 power, power books were going to come out um, so that's kind of where we were and yeah, at the time it was pretty hard to see I mean it was the real differentiator, wasn't it? and Apple spent a lot of time capitalising in their advertising on the fact that they considered the Power PC to be superior architecture to Intel.
0: Yeah, they used to have that very famous uh, Pentium 3 on the back of a snail crawling across the screen. That's right, yeah. And let's yeah. be honest, Apple never put a Pentium in a Macintosh.
1: No, you, was, you were right about that. <laughs> I was right about um, that. Yeah, however, they, they didn't. The machine I'm sat in front of now is a tiny little laptop that effectively has uh, probably the equivalent of four Pentium chips set underneath the keyboard. So, um, you know... uh, I don't think we could have been more wrong. uh, Yeah, because the argument, obviously, you were making was that if they do go with Intel, it will be a custom chip for uh, for Mac. It will not be um, a PC. And effectively, Macs nowadays are PCs. Yeah, I I was
0: absolutely wrong. They used the same chips that are found in every PC Uh, the dual cores and the quad cores and the i5 and i7 all those it's the same chips that are in PCs now obviously the the benefit to that was you can run windows on your Macintosh and it was great for those people who were entrenched in the PC world to make a switch to Apple and still have access to all of the applications and their lovey-dovey windows on the Macintosh. They can have the best of both worlds.
1: And without question, Apple was uh, right to make the switch. Well, what we couldn't see at the time, that obviously Apple could, was two things. First of all is that the development of PowerPC was stalled. Yep. You know, they weren't
0: No, we, to- we knew that at the time, because Chad and I actually talk about that a little bit. That maybe yeah. this was a move, these rumors are floating, so Apple can put a little pressure on IBM to make the PowerPC chips faster. Because remember, we never got a G5 laptop. No. They they never solved the power consumption problem with the G5 architecture with the the cell processors, if you will. The same one that's in, yeah. a, in a PS3 yeah. for a laptop use. They never solved it. They were just way too hot, and they didn't run fast enough.
1: And of course, what they didn't have that the um, Intel chips were, you know, the first Intel machines did launch with was the multiple cores. Um, the fact that Intel uh, was was going down a line where they weren't going to go after gigahertz anymore in terms of processor speeds, but they were going to optimise their architecture for parallel processing. Effectively, was something that we that none of us had any visibility of. But clearly, uh, Apple was able to to see the way that was going. And, and remember, when they launched. When they first announced the the uh, uh, the transition to Intel, which was the following year at WWDC, Steve Jobs said, "He said we've had um, Mac OS ten running on Intel for years in a kind of a you know a, a skunkworks back room somewhere at Cupertino. Yep, they've been building it for that architecture for years. And I had heard those
0: rumors, by the way, way even way back then.
1: I had yeah. heard
0: from people Apple saying, actually, we've got Macs that run on on the Intel chips already.
1: Yeah." I'd heard those, so. But but I, I I wouldn't beat yourself too up too much up about this because I remember the week before WWDC when they actually launched it, it was becoming you know more and more of a rumor, and everyone was going no, uh-huh. never, never in a million years would you know Steve Jobs would rather take a knife out, cut his chest open, and pull his beating heart from his chest before doing that. And but, um, you know
0: I think the thing was, uh, a lot of Mac users, especially in 2005 and, and prior. Was looking at Microsoft and Intel as kind of one company. Yeah, that they weren't separating the two. Remember, you don't—you might not know this, but back in the day, we called it WinTel.
1: Yeah, well, I've heard that term.
0: Yeah, and we kind of just said Intel, Microsoft—that's eh, the same big conglomerate. Blah blah blah. We knew they were separate companies, but they were just way into bed with each other and thus apple will probably never be able to work with intel what we didn't know was intel wasn't happy with that they no. they didn't like being beholden to microsoft that
1: well, no let's other... let's, face it. let's face it every time they they produced a new processor microsoft would inflate and bloat their software so it ran just as fast as the previous one did yep. they weren't getting any competitive advantage now at least they have You know they have different. You know they're much more broad. They're much more diversified. So they have different architectures, software architectures running on their uh, on their machines.
0: In fact, Um, uh, Intel just came out this week and saying that uh, uh, because Apple is pushing them into making better and faster chips for sub notebook computers like the MacBook Air, and that Intel is actually pushing the other PC manufacturers to follow that lead because. It was an eye-opening conversation they had with Apple. And I thought, yeah. eye-opening? You mean you didn't realize that smaller, faster, less power consumption processors is what people are going to want? Are you retarded?
1: Well, you know, they, I think they were blinded by the netbooks where they thought they could make crappy, slow, cheap yeah. <laughs> processors for those sorts of machines. And everyone will be perfectly happy with that. Yeah, how'd that work out so, for you? Uh, well, <laughs> because remember, yeah, Apple,
0: it, Intel does not supply chips to the uh, iPad. Or the not they Well,
1: well so. they're desperate to. Oh my God, uh, they are. All right, they, let's uh, jump to the next
0: yeah. rumor. Um, this one is the fabled Mac tablet. Rumor number two, the Mac tablet. You know, the, this rumor comes around probably for over the last five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was, just, it might have been this month, it might have been last month, I don't know, uh, a few sites picked up the fact that Apple has a patent on a tablet type of Macintosh computer. Um, Apple has a lot of patents. And for every ten patents that they have, they probably only produce one or two actual products. Um, The rumors are also flying that somebody, it's always somebody, I know somebody who knows somebody. Mm -hmm. It's not I. Mm -hmm. You never read the rumor that says, I actually had a (laughs) prototype. You never see it. It's always someone emailed us that actually knew someone who... Turtleneck says. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't see the appeal of a tablet computer. I really don't. Why do I want to carry this large, and it has to be somewhat large, because if it's too small, you're not going to be able mm. to read the display. And if it's too small, then it's not a tablet, it's a PDA. Right. So why would I want to carry basically a flat panel monitor around with me? What? Why would I want to do that? If I'm going to do that, wh- why not just have a laptop at that point? Well, I mean, if you want to look cool at the next
4: Trekkie Convention, you've got your, your Starfleet costume on, then it'd be pretty good. The cool Mac thing tablet to have with would be you. perfect, right.
0: absolutely. So <laughs> And a lot of people are actually trying to put the Apple and Intel rumor in with the Mac Tablet rumor somehow. it's gonna be the Intel chips powering the Mac tablet, which is just retarded. Yeah. So I don't know, what do you think? One one through ten. Oh,
4: I'm going to go with a four on that one, just because i I don't see, I, I don't see a market for that type of a, of a PC to begin with, and
0: you know. By the same token, though, if if four years ago I would have said, you know, here's a little handheld that's going to be forty gigabytes to put your music on, and it's going to cost you four hundred dollars, you'd probably think, yeah, are right, yeah. But now <laughs> it's called the iPod, and it's you know huge,
4: mm-hmm.
0: so. Personally, I, I would have to say this is probably a two. Yeah. I, I just don't see Apple entering this market. And it was, it's not like Apple would be the first company to ever release a tablet computer either. Mm. And everyone that's ever come out has been a colossal failure. They just have not sold. They suck.
4: Yeah, there's there's a lot of human interface stuff you got to work with on a tablet. Yeah, Which handwriting like, and... Yeah, and the fact of the matter is most people prefer keyboards because you can still use a keyboard faster than you can write by hand.
0: Absolutely. Okay, David, this is the one that, uh, this is one of the ones that I'm, I'm going to take a beating is, on. Uh, well, well <laughs> But let's be honest, we still don't have a Mac tablet. Um, that never happened.
1: No, that, that's, that's. <laughs> that's my that's saving very, grace. <laughs> that's a very, very, uh, very fine way to split that hair straight down the middle. <laughs> Uh, you know, in the in the audio clip, I'm talking about why would I want to pull out a, a sheet of glass? And... It's hugely. First time I heard that, I was killing myself. The last <laughs> what would I want to? Why i need a keyboard? Why would I want to carry around on?
0: But see, I didn't. You know what I didn't obviously know then was the touch interface. That you know the idea of a tablet device back in 2005 was what microsoft was already making which is you'd see in doctor's offices and stuff like that it was a thick piece of plastic with a piece of glass on top and the interface was a stylus a a pen in essence and i i still don't want one of those and i don't think anybody does but we didn't realize at the time that it wouldn't be that thick it wouldn't be a plasticky piece of crap Uh, the screen resolution would be incredible and the stylus would go away, and we would use our fingers. That's what we
1: didn't know. Absolutely, and um, I, I, I suppose this is you're talking about separating the men from the boys here. Yeah. In that you, you know, the reason that guys like you and I don't work for Apple at the top of these companies, are coming up with the ideas for these products, is precisely this ability to see beyond what's around you and say, well here's something that uh you know, at first glance sounds like science fiction how can we make it happen what are the pieces that need to be put together to actually bring all of that and i think this is a this is a key point and i know we'll we'll come onto to this and in, in with the with the later um rumors as well one of the key things and the reason you know you've got a very valid point you know microsoft have been plugging away i mean had been Selling these products for at least four or five years when you made this statement, yeah. and have been continuing to try and sell them for the last ten years, and at this point, and have not made any impact at all. And when the before the iPad was released, well, we all knew it was coming about six seven months before it appeared. Um, nobody thought that Apple were going to succeed with it. No. Nobody at all. Even with the huge success of the iPhone at the time, nobody thought that anybody that they would be able to pull it off. And I think even Apple were pleasantly surprised by how quickly it was adopted. Um, and that's because it's the perfect storm of fantastic hardware, um, fantastic hardware at, at a very cheap price due to their uh, you know incredible economies of scale and and manufacturing capability, uh, together with. You know, a software platform that they fully control, that they they you know allow people to develop for, that they manage, uh, and all in then the media and, and content that goes along with that from the iTunes Store as well. I think that's it's all of those things together that make the iPad a compelling prospect. It's not just you know, and, and I think as uh, your HP TouchPad and some of the other. Um, Manufacturers are finding out now is that if you don't have all of those elements, then it's a real uphill struggle to make inroads into the market.
0: Absolutely. The next so, one I think was kind of the most famous for being wrong, and that is the Apple cell phone. Let's listen. Let's see. Rumor number three the Apple cell phone service. Apple getting into not just selling cell phones, but being a cell provider.
4: I, I can't buy into that. I,
0: I, I just I, I think that market saturated myself. I, not only is it saturated, uh, a lot of honestly, the, the cell phone carriers out there, uh, the cell phone providers, I should mm-hmm. say, almost give these phones away. And in some cases, they do give these phones mm-hmm. away. So I, I don't see it ever happening. Mm-hmm. you know Could Apple buy a cell phone provider like Nextel? Probably not. Why would you want that headache? It's such a volatile industry. Yep, Um, And I just don't see... Apple doesn't do anything at a loss. Mm -hmm. Such as Microsoft sells a game system, the Xbox, and they sell it at a loss. They actually lose money every time someone buys the Xbox. Mm -hmm. And they recoup their money off licensing licensing the games. I just don't see Apple ever going into a business where there's potential to sacrifice profits from one area and hope to get it in another. Yeah. And I, I just don't see him getting into the cell phone. So I'm gonna give this a, this one a one. I'm with you on
4: that. I think it's a one myself.
0: Indeed, David, why the hell would Apple ever want to get into the cell phone business? It's such a cutthroat business and there's no money to be made there. the <laughs> You know <laughs> Now, again, two thousand and five, this was um, two years before we even saw the iPhone, and <laughs> it's kind of been more wrong.
1: Well, I mean, you to be to be fair to you, you were kind of talking more about the becoming a, a complete cell phone provider rather than right. just a manufacturer. Uh, and and I think you know we 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 all agree that that's something that it's difficult to see Apple ever doing actually becoming a carrier. But. Um, yeah, you know. I don't actually see that as a
0: big thing anymore. I think that that's a logical conclusion for Apple is to become uh, a data provider. And that, to me, if I was running Apple, I would absolutely buy one or two cell phone carriers initially in the United States. And every Mac, every iPhone, and every iPad that comes out would have free 3G or whatever replaces 3G connections.
1: Yeah, I, I- I think there would be serious uh, competition implications if they were to try and do that. I and agree. I suspect I suspect that's well done they never will. Um I I think you know they they're very they're very wedded to their, their core business model um and don't I don't see cell carriers as, as, as being something that fits well with that and um you know maybe maybe when the day comes when, when their phones are not selling so well they'll they'll see if they can do it to sweeten the deal but at the moment you know why should they because they they're making lots of money as things are it's interesting when you made this statement this was may, may 5 the the uh, dreaded motorola rocker <laughs> yes. which was the first supposed apple cell phone came out later on that year and pretty dreadful it was too it was absolutely terrible um, i yeah. wanted i still wanted
0: one but but that was because it was an apple type of product even though it was created by motorola and the thought of having my mp3s on my phone was very appealing to me because at the time i had a little cheap flip phone and i wasn't seeing anything in the smartphone business that was even remotely interesting to me they looked like complex pieces of crap that wasn't really compatible with my mac to begin with so what's the point um yeah and of course you know the iphone came out and changed everything i mean we can't stress enough what the iPhone has done to the world of technology. It literally changed everything.
1: And, and you know what? I've, I've been having this argument on Twitter with a few people who have been bitterly complaining about um, the lawsuit between Apple and Samsung and the, the fact that some Samsung products now... Um, due to an injunction are not going to be available in, in the uh, European market until the, the case is settled. And they're going, oh, you know, why should, why should draconian Apple do this and everything? It's like because they invented all this stuff. Yep. It was all their idea, and it was nothing like this before they came along. So why the hell should they let everyone and his dog copy it
3: poorly? And steal everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I don't blame Apple at all for that. No. No, absolutely. And, and yet... Yeah, I remember what it was like before the uh, before the iPhone came on. What phones were? And, that's right. And uh, I wouldn't want to go back to that. Oh God, no.
0: Okay, uh, we're running long in the tooth. It's going to be an extra long episode, but that's okay. Uh, the the we're at the halfway point. We've got six rumors to go through. This is number four, Mac PDA. Let's listen. The Mac PDA. At one time, that was called the Newton. Yep. I don't know. I. I, I personally, I would like to see a, a an Apple Newton type of mm-hmm. new product, but here's the thing: I'm already carrying my iPod, mm-hmm. I'm already carrying my cell phone, mm-hmm. and a pack of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I don't need another yet another device to carry around in my pockets.
4: Yeah, right now I still have my Palm Five, and you know what? It works fine for me. I yeah. still got the monochrome screen. I really haven't updated the OS on this thing for probably about two or three years. Just basically contacts and reminders and stuff? Exactly. Yeah. I don't need it for anything else. and so Unless they can come up with something revolutionary like an iPod for PDAs, something that successful that's, that's really
0: revolutionary, I just don't see that happening. And I don't see a, a huge revolution happening in the PDA market. If no. anybody could do that, it would be Apple. Right. I just don't think that... I think convergence is going to kill the PDAs. I think you're going to be able to do... Uh, eventually iPod, your PDA and your cell phone is all gonna be one device. Yeah. It's gonna be the tablet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull out my cell phone. Here's this big sheet of glass. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say Mac PDA three.
4: Yeah, I'm gonna go with a three on that. I just right now you see companies like Handspring and Palm who are struggling right now. I, I don't see why Mac would go into a or why Apple would go into a market that's Currently struggling right now, so
0: yeah. Okay, David, the Mac PDA did not Man. happen. This this is
1: hilarious. This, this, though. Yeah. <laughs> this is hilarious because when I hear you go, "Well, I've already got my phone and my iPod and everything. Why would I want to carry?" Right, <laughs> and it's just like exactly. And you that's had what the, the I- right I- idea. Yes,
0: yes. the The iPhone got rid of my i iP- my iPod. It got rid of my cell phone, and it also gave me. A PDA.
1: Yeah.
0: So and, uh, I, I was yeah, on the right I was, track, I think, here.
1: Yeah, but I, but I was listening to that on my iPhone, li- walking along as I went out to get a sandwich at lunchtime today. And uh, 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 I, I thought, well, here I am living that dream. Yes. <laughs> Six short years later, Tim.
0: <laughs> with one and, device in my pocket. Yes. And uh, I, so I... I uh, the Mac PDA, we didn't know at the time, was part of the Apple cell phone. Which was also part of the Mac tablet, which, (laughs) uh, so I, you know, I don't think we did too bad on that one. No. Oh boy. Number five, the iTunes movie service. Listen to this one. iTunes movie service. That, to me, is probably a nine. I would say probably a nine as well. It's going to happen eventually. I don't know if if that means you're going to be able to to download first-run movies. Mm -hmm. Instead of going to the theater, I'm going to download Mm -hmm. it on my Mac. I don't really see that happening, but a video rental type Mm -hmm. of Netflix sending DVDs to your house is going to be a thing of the past. You fire up iTunes, say, I want to watch The Aviator, Mm -hmm. and come back in ten minutes, and you're going to have it in high-definition. And you'll also be able to send it to your TV, Mm -hmm. and it it will be a viable file that you could watch for, say, a week. Mm -hmm. And then it will delete itself or expire.
4: How about tagging a DRM on it just like you do with the iTunes and burn it to DVD for yourself? You could do that as well. Um, Of course, you'd have to pay, say, you know, 10 or 15 bucks for the movie instead of renting it for however however much they want to rent it for. Yep.
0: But, you know, with it coming through your, your high speed internet connection. You take the the entire distribution channel out of buying DVDs, and you wouldn't even have to pay ten to fifteen dollars. You can pay like seven fifty for a whole movie. You have to provide the blank media. You know, you're downloading it to your computer. All they're doing is transmitting it to you, right? Which has the same
4: sell appeal as uh, buying an album off iTunes. I mean, there's some music I like that I can find on iTunes. I can buy the album for ten bucks. If I try to find it in the record store. You know, I'm paying 13 to 17
0: depending on what it is. Hopefully, all the songs are worth it. Yeah. So, we're both given that, would you say a nine? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a nine. All right, David Cohen in the year 2011. (laughs) Um, I was right and wrong. You know, we were talking about downloading movies from iTunes, which absolutely happened. Yep and then burning them to disc which absolutely did not happen. We still can't burn movies to disc as a movie disc from stuff that we download from iTunes. And uh, nor do we want to. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> what we didn't know at the time of course was the Apple TV.
1: I mean Well, we didn't know the Apple TV. We didn't know all the iOS products that would make it very easy to store digital video yep. either. Um, you know, we, I don't think anybody anticipated and, and how could you back in 2005, to be honest, the, the stratospheric plummeting in the cost of storage? Uh, Um, no, I knew that was coming because every year you
0: double the space of a hard drive and the price would remain the same. Um, because if you look but at the they, most expensive hard drives right now, they're the same price as the most expensive hard drives in 2005, except yeah. for you're getting, you know, 15 times the amount of storage space. But, but
1: I don't think what – we, what we weren't really anticipating was how um, digital flash storage would basically follow that same curve.
0: Yes. No, we didn't Opti- see that coming.
1: Optical, uh, you know, uh, optical storage was doing the same thing. Uh, spinning storage was doing the same thing. But I don't – and I, nobody ever really thought that you would realistically be able to hold – large quantity gigabytes of data in, in a on a solid state device and yet you know here we are with huge extremely and fast yeah and, exactly yeah. And, and,
0: uh, <laughs> so we were right and we were wrong um, yeah, I absolutely still, knew it was going to come
1: I still think in some ways Apple has if you look at the success of Netflix you you could argue that in some ways Apple has not capitalized on its video position as, as well as it could have done absolutely you're right you know
0: Um, They still don't have a subscription service. I can't go up to iTunes and just click a movie and start watching without paying money right then, whether it's renting or buying. And they still have the problem. For instance, I want to watch a movie right now. Well, not right now. We're recording the show. But I want to watch a movie called The Greatest Movie Ever Sold. It's kind of a documentary type of thing. And I really want to watch it. I was really happy to see that it came out. I went up to iTunes to rent it. And they don't have it for rent. It's only for sale. Mm. And I'm like, really? We're in 2011 and I can't just rent this movie in iTunes. Really? Now that's not a restriction Apple's putting on it. That's a restriction that the the movie industry is putting on there. But it's so draconian and it's so backwards that six years later, they still just don't get it. Yeah. And they, by, by that, I don't mean Apple. I mean, cause it's not their content in all fairness. I yeah. mean the movie industry as a whole. Um, but it, you remember, at 2005, that's when we had those big posters of the shadowed figures with the white earbuds, and that was the super height of the popularity of the iPod. I mean, it was massive. We, were, uh, yeah. we, we had the Pepsi uh, contest where you can you know, get a free code to download a song in iTunes, and it was a very exciting time for the iTunes Music Store. And I absolutely knew that the whole thing was going to change and get better, because we were going to get TV shows and movies. I knew that was going to happen. And I think most people did at the time. But we were just wrong about the execution. Yep. All right, David. The last one. And uh, this one was probably my worst prediction. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The video iPod. And uh, last but not least, at least for um, today's show, the video iPod. You know, an iPod with a... Let's let's crank it up and give it a 16 by 9 ratio screen like the PSP that can play videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see it happening. Maybe a year ago I could have possibly seen it, but mm-hmm. now that the PSP is out yeah. and the movie industry is actually supporting those UMD, UDM... I forget what the acronym now is. I think mm-hmm. it's UMD. Mm -hmm. universal movie disc, whatever it's called, the little tiny CDs that will play movies on a Mm -hmm. handheld device. Number one, I don't want to watch a movie on something that small. And I think Steve Jobs had actually said
4: the same thing about that when he was confronted with the uh, video iPod thing. He said, who's going to want to watch
0: a movie on a two-inch screen? No, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind taking an iPod that can play videos and hooking Mm -hmm. it up to my parents' TV to show them a QuickTime movie or an iMovie project that I worked on. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, But I I just don't see it. I I don't know. I just don't see it. No. Um, If anybody could do it and make it something that I would want to buy, Apple's probably the only... And you know, the thing is, though, a lot of other companies have already made these type of devices. Mm -hmm. There's personal little movie players out there already. And I don't see them burning up the market. I don't see them at Best Buy when I go to Best Buy right now. Mm -hmm. I see a hundred different colors of iPod and iPod accessories. Mm -hmm. but. I don't see anything for these portable well, mo- movies. things.
3: Other,
4: and the other thing is, is what, what's the real market for these portable movie things? Because the only time I ever see these things around is when, you know, a, a, a parents who have a lot of kids or just two or three kids who are going to do a lot of traveling or want to keep the kids entertained while they're doing something else, buy them one of these
0: little four-inch screen. Well, they're already there deep, though, deep and, and you, you got, put it right in the back of your chair, and it costs one hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. So who's going to spend five hundred dollars for the video iPod? Right. So I would give it a two. I would have to agree with you on that one. All right, I was wrong on every front here. Uh, and I made the mistake of listening to Steve Jobs because he said, who the hell wants to watch a, a movie on a two-inch screen? And uh, I still don't want to watch a movie on a two-inch screen, to be well, honest.
1: Well, I, I, think, I think the problem is is that um, you may not, but a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, I, the thing, I, I've watched a lot of, I mean, I, I've watched video on, on iPod Nanos. Um, I had an iPod with video that... <laughs> That was literally, what, three, four months after you made the statement?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it, it was literally within six months of us.
1: Yeah. Uh, and
0: actually, I don't even think it was that long. It was that fall. So yeah. now, six months thing- before, or six months after we recorded that, they came out with the video iPod.
1: Now, the thing is, there's an important point about this. So you mentioned the competing devices in that segment. Yeah, PSP How- in particular. Uh, well, not so much the PSP because the pSP was always is in my mind always has been a fine video player, but you talked about the other devices as well, you know the the kind of the there was a lot of uh, Japanese and Chinese companies that were doing m p three players and to try and differentiate they had a screen on you could play video on them yep. the difference to me um, you know I had, a, I had an iPod with video, and I absolutely loved it and i watched a lot of video on it uh, and I, as i say i watched watch video on my nano um i've watched a lot of video on my iphone over the years um and yes of course now it's nice the fact you pull out an ipad and, and watch video on that and it's a much better experience but the thing for me is it's always been about the resolution you can get and the quality of the screens and to me that always outweighs the fact that screens are perhaps a little bit smaller than you might than you might want. Yep. And I think I think in terms of um, I, what a lot of people forget is, you know, if you're sat in a room like I'm sat in a conference room at the moment, so if I look across the far wall, it's probably about 25 feet away from me. If I had a 32-inch plasma screen on there and I was looking at it from where I'm sat now, it wouldn't look that much larger to me than an iPod with video screen that sat right in front of me
0: on yeah. the desk. Yeah, it, it would literally be 2 to 3 inches in size as far as relatives you know yeah, in, terms
1: of, in terms of how much how much field of vision it takes yep. up and i think that's that's the key thing that's why the uh, ipod with videos and and the, the devices have come a, come since then have been as successful as they are is the fact is that if you can have a device in your hand you're quite happy in the right circumstances to watch that video if you're on the bus if you're on a train you know you sat in bed and you want to watch um you know a cartoon or or a, a a video podcast room uh, something like that which you know you're not necessarily gonna be glued to it for two and a half hours but you want to you know, sit in the bed next next to somebody and don't want to disturb them or watch something like that it's perfect for that and you you put up with the compromises and screen size uh because of that i recently uh, got an ipod with video for my son it's his first ipod i'm so proud <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, and i loaded a moment yeah, well, it was actually. Yeah, I, know, I know, I you know. It's funny. You were talking about how big, um, a moment ago, about how big the iPod was in 2005 in terms of the music. You can, see, For somebody who's never had an iPod before, you can see that. You load music on the device and give it to him, and he's just like in heaven, absolute heaven. But I loaded a pile of uh, some of his favourite cartoon shows onto it as well, and he absolutely adores watching them on there. Yep. Not Not when he's at home, when he can sit in front of the TV, but, you know, when he's...
0: And there goes the Skype gods being cruel to David by cutting him off right in the middle of... Um, Still? Nope. There he is. You're back. <laughs> we lost you for a good five seconds there. Uh
1: right. Okay. But I, know, I agree with talking you, too much.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going, you know what, you guys are way over an hour at this point, <laughs> so you probably need to wrap it up. David, thanks for indulging me in uh, this segment. I found it uh, a lot of fun to walk down memory lane. Look, I've been podcasting uh, almost since podcasting was invented uh, going yeah. back to 2004 and there's a lot of content out there that i produced and most of it let's be honest isn't really relevant to today so going back to it is kind of you know a little bit of a time warp for me i really enjoyed uh when i was podcasting with chad when the my Mac podcast was fresh and new and squeaky clean and listening to uh, chad and i talk about rumors of the day in 2005 uh in that long drive in the minivan and very hot weather was a lot of fun and i thought this would be probably one of the only shows that we could do a kind of a brain back we can actually play content from six years ago and make it relevant today and and i had a lot of fun doing it and i seriously i I thank you for indulging me in that
1: no it's been it has been fun
0: so with that we're going to wrap up uh, this episode of Tech Fan. We'll be back in 1 week and uh who knows what kind of zaniness we'll get into. By then I'm sure David will have squelched all the uh writing in
1: the UK and uh <laughs> I'll be out, I'll be out tonight with my uh, with my cricket bat. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing I seen
0: movie posters of Conan but it's you with a cricket bat. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Damn, I'll look at
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, be safe over there, my friend. I will. We'll see you guys next week.